Hi, Dave Emery here. This is For the Record Program number 1231. How many lies before you belong to the lie, part four. This is being recorded on March 4th of the year 2022. Before we get into the main body of the program, three links as always. These are at the top of each written for the record program description on the SpitfireList.com website and also at the top of each Food for Thought post also on the SpitfireList.com website. Uh, the first of those links will enable you to subscribe to the comments, most of which are made by our brilliant contributing editor Perifractal, some by other intelligent listeners. The second link will enable you to subscribe to the podcasts of For the Record that are being made by sister station WFMU. So if podcasts are the best way for you to consume the program, then sister station WFMU is doing just that. And you can click on that link and subscribe to the WFMU podcasts. And the third link will enable you to obtain the 32 gigabyte flash drive, which has virtually all of my 43 years of work on it, and, and also a mini library of old anti-fascist books on easy to download PDF files. Uh, I get no money whatsoever from that. Uh, the modest uh, fee for that is tax deductible. Uh, please, if you are a regular listener to the programs, please get a hold of that. Uh, it is an invaluable research tool, and uh, I am not at all optimistic about the future, as I have indicated. I'm not real thrilled with what's going on today, either. Um, by the way, all of the programs that I did about the pandemic, about SARS, COV2, and the Oswald Institute of Virology, as I call it, are available on the current edition of the flash drive. Now, the title of the program, How Many Lies Before You Belong to the Lie, is a quote from the book Heartland, the 1976 autobiography of Mort Saul, the late brilliant political comedian. Uh, Mort Saul meant that basically how many lies can you allow yourself to believe before you belong to the lie? Not incidentally, Mort Saul was one of Jim Garrison's investigators in the late New Orleans DA's investigation of the assassination of JFK. And uh, something of an introduction, I think, uh, to the title and to the conception not only of this series but of this program comes from a book that has a lot of good information about the Garrison investigation. It is a limited book in scope. It uh, dismisses the notion that there were uh, there was any involvement by intelligence services in the JFK assassination and said it was simply a right-wing plot. However, many of the elements involved were quite obviously deeply involved with the intelligence community, and if one uses many of the other texts that go farther than this one, you can flesh that out. Nonetheless, it is a very important and useful book. Uh, it is called General Walker and the Murder of President Kennedy by Jeffrey H. Caulfield, C-A-U-F-I-E-L-D, and it was published in hardcover by the Moreland Press, M-O-R-E-L-A-N-B, copyright 2015. And in that 
book, there is a an interesting passage, and it concerns uh, a letter that David Ferry wrote that was picked up by Jim Garrison. Garrison did not provide an explanation for all of the notes subject matter. However, he did know the meaning of, quote, flying Barragona in the beach, unquote. Beach, unquote, refers to the model of Ferry's airplane, a beachcraft. Barragona, B-A-R-A-G-O-N-A, was a Nazi from Fort Sill. Garrison also obtained a transcript of a letter written by Ferry to Barragona. Next to Barragona's name, Garrison wrote, quote, Note, Barragona is important, unquote. The letter had been sent to Garrison by Glenn Pinchback, and a carbon copy was sent to Mendel Rivers, a congressman from Georgia. Pinchback worked in the Operations Command at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, where he intercepted mail. In the letter, Ferry shared his dream of the reunification of Germany and living in a world where all the currency was in Deutschmarks. Pinchback's summation of the letter described, quote, a neo-Nazi plot to enslave America in the name of anti-communism, unquote, and again quoting, a neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope. One more time. And this from uh, an army officer, Glenn Pinchback, who was in the operations command at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Described Ferry's letter as, quote, as revealing a neo-Nazi plot to enslave America in the name of anti-communism, unquote, and a neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope, unquote. The Ferry letter spoke of the need to kill all the Kennedys and Martin Luther King Jr. Pinchback also reported obtaining a letter from David Ferry to Barragona confessing his role in the assassination of Robert Gehrig, G-E-H-R-I-G, who was a Nazi and Fort Sill soldier. Uh, this, uh, to me, was quite uh, remarkable in the massive AFA series, How the United States Lost the Second World War, uh, with 50 or 60 hours real time in length done in the summer and fall of 1992, I advanced my uh, working hypothesis that the Galen spy organization was in fact a Trojan horse meant to introduce Nazism into the United States and to effect a conquest uh, through said introduction. Basically, I was saying the same thing, I believe, as uh, this note from the 1950s, I believe, uh, well, maybe maybe later, early in the 1960s, uh, to Jim Garrison. Again, uh, Glenn Pinchback wrote a quote, a neo-Nazi plot to enslave America in the name of anti-communism, unquote, and also a neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope. Uh, I believe that the war in Ukraine, uh, a complex event, one that I think uh, was the laying of a trap for Putin. The end game on the part of the West, I believe, is regime change through both military and economic bleeding of Russia. We'll see whether that happens. I'll talk more about uh, the war itself, time permitting, later in the program. But in our last broadcast, we began with the partial reading of an article about the Ukrainian Institute of National 
memory. That uh, basically comprised the files from the old Ukrainian intelligence service that were put by Petro Poroshenko, the president of Ukraine up to 2019, in the disposal of a guy named Volodymyr Vyatrovich. What it is doing is a is affecting an Orwellian rewrite of the World War II history of Ukraine, basically making out to be the Nazi collaborationist elements of the OUN and the UPA out to be heroes and champions of, quote, Ukrainian uh, independence, unquote. As I said last uh, week, I think that the war itself and its attendant events, the very slanted and propagandized news coverage, and the groupthink that, or bundlethink that is embracing uh, the vast majority of people, an awful lot of people in this country, and most of the people, as far as I can tell, in the West. Uh, I believe with that embrace, and with the uncritical presentation of events in Ukraine, uh, basically, this country and its people belong to the lie. Because indeed, uh, the decades of long lies that were re- either introduced and or reinforced by the Galen Organization and allied elements have become accepted as truth and history, and I believe that with this war, the neo-Nazi plot to enslave America in the name of anti-communism, and the neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope that Glenn Pinchback wrote about, have in fact been realized. And with that realization, basically, under Joe Biden, the Nazification of America is complete. America has been enslaved in the name of anti-communism. It is that the enslavement has not morphed into anti-Russianism or anti-Putinism, but it has been launched directly from the long historical and ideological platform of the Galen Organization and the Cold War. We'll talk more about that uh, in later programs in this series. Uh, I think that the war itself, as I mentioned, and the attendant events have served as something of a prism or uh, an ideological philosopher's stone affecting an alchemical uh, transformation of this country, basically, uh, into that enslavement in the name of anti-communism or now anti-Russianism. And I think that the basic principle and tenets of the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory have basically uh, become uh, disseminated and uh, have been absorbed by this country and its institutions and its people. And under Joe Biden, basically the enslavement of America in the name of anti-communism that Glenn Pinchback wrote about and the neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope has been realized. Because again, in Ukraine, the dominant 
OUNB and UPA Nazi elements uh, that control the military, the intelligence services, the police establishment, the education ministry, and much of the rest of the country uh, with a thin veneer of a non-practicing Jew, apparently, according uh, to what I've read about uh, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, as uh, a facade or a front man. Uh, we're going to recap and continue with our discussion of the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory because I think that the machinations and the ideology and the complete flipping of the intellectual and historical record in a Nazi direction uh, is, again, could be viewed as something of an alchemical philosopher's stone or a prism in which uh, the war itself and its attendant uh, culture and elements are becoming basically uh, the enslavement of America that Glenn Pinchback wrote about. And under Biden with this war, uh, that enslavement is complete and the Nazification of America as an institution is complete. Uh, bear in mind, too, that the uh, thing that took place just before Christmas, Merry Christmas, um, in the United Nations, where a vote was taken to condemn the celebrations of Nazism, celebrations of the Waffen-SS, and the portrayal of Nazi collaborators as uh, fighters for independence. 130 countries voted against it, only two 130 people, 130 countries, excuse me, voted for it. Only two countries voted against it. They both uh, began with the letter U. The United States was one, and Ukraine was another. I would look at the descriptions of the record programs 1228 and 1229. There, The audio tracks are embedded in the same description. And look at that picture. It is a celebration of the 75th anniversary of the founding of the 14th Waffen-SS Division, a Ukrainian Waffen-SS Division. And you can see the three Waffen-SS enactors, two of them in, in SS camouflage uniforms, one in an SS Nazi uniform, and the Ukrainian armor guard is parading with the Ukrainian flag in the background. That is the visual embodiment of what I am talking about. But again, I think the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory uh, really is um, something that we are seeing uh, expanded, transformed, projected throughout this country, throughout the West, and that enslavement in the name of first anti-communism and now anti-Russianism or anti-Putinism is complete. Before we get into that, uh, for perhaps newer listeners, uh, the depredations of the UPA, the Ukrainian Partisan Army, were exemplified in their liquidation during what was something of a sub-war to the Second World War. That was the Ukrainian-Polish War. Uh, Ukraine is something of, of an ethnic or nationality hodgepodge or patchwork. Uh, the western part is largely uh, 
of Galician extraction, was what it used to be called. That was for a long time part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. It may not have actually departed at the end of World War One, but it was for a long time part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. There was a Polish population there. The eastern uh, places are ethnic Russians, and there are also large Hungarian and Rum- ethnic Romanian populations there as well. Uh, there was a lethal hatred between the Ukrainians and the Poles, and that resulted in the slaughter of some 100,000 Poles by the Nazi-aligned UPA. From the Wikipedia entry about the destruction of Yanova Donima, J-A-N-O-W-A, last name capital D-O-L-I-M-A. On the night of April 22nd and 23rd, Good Friday of 1943, the Ukrainians from the Ukrainian Insurgent Army, together with local peasants, attacked Yanova Dolina. Some 600 people, including children, and the elderly were brutally murdered. Most homes were burned to the ground, and the settlement deserted. The perpetrators, commanded by Ivan Vitinchuk, a.k.a. Dubowy, D-U-B-O-W-Y, exercised rare cruelty. Poles, unprepared and caught by surprise, were hacked to death with axes, burned alive, and impaled, including children. The murderers did not spare anyone, regardless of age and sex. German garrison, numbering around a 100 soldiers, did not act and remained in its barracks. After the first wave of murders, the Ukrainian nationalists started searching the hospital. They carried its Ukrainian patients away from the building, while Polish patients were burned alive. Dr. Alexander Bakanowski, together with his assistant Jan Borisovich, were hacked to death on the square in front of the hospital. In several cases, Ukrainians were murdered for trying to hide their Polish neighbors. Petro Mirchuk, Ukrainian historian, counted several hundred massacred Poles, with only eight UPA members killed. That is uh, but one incident uh, that is altogether characteristic of the behavior of the UPA, the military wing of the OUNB, and that is what is being uh, subjected to an Orwellian rewrite by the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory, and that complete standing of historical and political reality on its head is now basically, through the war and its attendant coverage, being transmitted in an almost alchemical fashion to the U.S. and the West, and they are basically in the now they belong to the lie. Turning now to the article that we began reading from last in our last program, it is from Foreign Policy, a mainstream bulletin that is put out by the Washington Post, Foreign Policy of May 2nd of 2016. It is authored by Josh Cohen, who himself was an employee of the U.S. Agency for International Development, a State Department subsidiary that has often served as a cover for various CIA operations, as I have noted in the past. The title is The Historian Whitewashing Ukraine's Past, and it reads, Advocating a nationalist, revisionist history that glorifies the country's move to independence and purges bloody and opportunistic chapters, Volodymyr Vyotrovich 
has attempted to redraft the country's modern history to whitewash Ukrainian nationalist groups' involvement in the Holocaust and the mass ethnic cleansing of Poles during World War II. And, right now, he's winning. In May of 2015, Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko signed a law that mandated the transfer of the country's complete set of archives from the, quote, Soviet organs of oppression, unquote, such as the KGB, and its decedent, the Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, to a government organization called the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory. The controversy on around that institute centers on a telling of World War II history that amplifies Soviet crimes and glorifies Ukrainian nationalist fighters while dismissing the vital part they played in the ethnic cleansing of Poles and Jews from 1941 to 1945 after the Nazi invasion of the former Soviet Union. And more pointedly, scholars now fear that they risk reprisal for not towing the official line or calling Vyatrovich on his historical distortions. Under Vyatrovich's reign, the country could be headed for a new, frightening era of censorship. Skipping down. The revision focuses on two Ukrainian nationalist groups, the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, or OUN, and the Ukrainian Insurgent Army, or UPA, which fought to establish an independent Ukraine. During the war, these groups killed tens of thousands of Jews and carried out a brutal campaign of ethnic cleansing that killed as many as 100,000 Poles. Created in 1929 to free Ukraine from Soviet control, the OUN embraced the notion of an ethnically pure Ukrainian nation. When the Nazis invaded the Soviet Union in 1941, the OUN and its charismatic leader Stefan Bandera welcomed the invasion as a step toward Ukrainian independence. The OUNB was part of the Third Reich's political and military order of battle. Its members carried out a pogrom in Lvov that killed 5,000 Jews, and OUN militias played a major role in violence against the Jewish population in western Ukraine that claimed the lives of up to 35,000 Jews. A street in the Lvov district has been renamed in honor of the Einsatzgruppe Nachtigall, or Nachtigall Battalion, commanded by Roman Shukhevich, named a hero of Ukraine and the father of Yuri Shukhevich, a pop architect of the current Ukrainian political landscape. The new law, which promises that this is a concern with the illustration laws, they were originally drawn up as anti-corruption laws, but they served basically to make it illegal to tell the truth about the OUN or the UPA. For example, if one were to discuss uh, the incident at Ganova de Lima that I just read, uh, one would risk criminal punishment in Ukraine. Continuing. The new law which promises that people who, quote, publicly exhibit a disrespectful attitude toward these groups or, quote, deny the legitimacy of Ukraine's 20th century struggle for independence will be prosecuted, though no punishment is specified, also means that independent Ukraine is being partially built on a falsified narrative of the Holocaust. 
And the Lord said, How many lies before you belong to the lie? Continuing, By transferring control of the nation's archives to the approvage, Ukraine's nationalists assured themselves that management of the nation's historical memory is now in the, quote, correct, unquote, hands. Skipping down. In 2008, in addition to his role of PSDBR, Viktor Yushchenko, then president, appointed Vyotrovich head of the security service of Ukraine's SPU archives. Yushchenko made the promotion of OUN-UPA mythology a fundamental part of his legacy, rewriting school textbooks, renaming streets, and armoring OUN-UPA leaders as, quote, heroes of Ukraine, unquote. As Yushchenko's leading memory manager, both at PSVBR and the SPU, Vyotrovich was his right-hand man in this crusade. He continued to push the state-sponsored heroic representation of the OUN-UPA and their leaders Bombera, Yaroslav Stetsko, and Roman Shukhevich. Uh, bear in mind, interrupting briefly, that Viktor Yushchenko was married to the former Ekaterina Tumachenko, who was part of the UCCA, the main OUNB front group in the U.S., and was the deputy director of public liaison under Ronald Reagan. Continuing. After Viktor Yanukovych was elected president in 2010, Vyotrovich faded from view. During this period, Vietrovic spent time in North America on a series of lecture tours, as well as a short sojourn as a research fellow at the Harvard Ukrainian Research Institute, or HURI. He also continued his, active, his academic activism, writing books and articles promoting the heroic narrative of the OUN-UPA. In 2013, he tried to crash and disrupt a workshop on Ukrainian and Russian nationalism taking place at the Harriman Institute at Columbia. When the Maidan Revolution swept Yanukovych out of power in February of 2014, Vyotrovich returned to prominence. Skip me down. The new president, Poroshenko, appointed Vyotrovich to head the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory, a prestigious appointment for a relatively young scholar. To that effect, Vyotrovich has dismissed historical events not comporting with his narrative as, quote, Soviet propaganda, unquote. Uh, basically, uh, an upgrading of that, uh, if anyone tells the truth about what is going on uh, vis-a-vis the current government of Ukraine, uh, or about the Maidan coup, who was behind it, or anything about the Nazi and collaborationist character of the OUNB or the UPA, they are branded as Putin dupes, or uh, even uh, sometimes these days as collaborators of Donald Trump, which is quite remarkable. Continuing. In his 2006 book, The OUN's Position Towards the Jews, Formulation of a Position Against the Backdrop of a Catastrophe, Vyotrovich attempted to exonerate the OUN from its collaboration in the Holocaust by ignoring the overwhelming mass of historical literature. The book was widely panned by Western historians. University of Alberta professor John Paul Himka, one of the leading scholars of Ukrainian history for three decades, described it as, quote, employing a series of dubious procedures, 
rejecting sources that compromise the OUN, accepting uncritically censored sources emanating from emigre OUN circles, failing to recognize anti-Semitism in OUN texts. Even more worrisome for the future integrity of Ukraine's archives under Vietrovich is his notoriety among Western historians for his willingness to allegedly ignore or even falsify historical documents. Quote, Scholars on his staff published document collections that are falsified, unquote, said Jeffrey Birds, B-U-R-D-S, a professor of Russian and Soviet history at Northeastern University. I know this because I have seen the originals, made copies, and have compared their transcriptions to the originals, unquote. Seventy historians signed an open letter to Poroshenko asking him to veto the draft law that bans criticism of the OUNUPA. After the open letter by those 70 historians was published, the legislation's sponsor, Yuri Shukhevich, reacted furiously. Shukhevich, the son of UPA leader Roman Shukhevich and a long-time far-right political activist himself, fired off a letter to Minister of Education Sergei Kvit claiming, quote, Russian special services, unquote, produced the letter and demanded that, quote, patriotic, unquote, historians rebuff it. Kvit, also a long-time far-right activist and author of an admiring biography of one of the key theoreticians of Ukrainian ethnic nationalism, in turn ominously highlighted the signatories of Ukrainian historians on his copy of the letter. Skipping down again. UPA Supreme Commander Dmitry Klausinski explicitly stated, quote, We should carry out a large-scale liquidation against Polish elements. During the evacuation of the German army, we should find an appropriate moment to liquidate the entire male population between 16 and 60 years old. Given that over 70% of the leading UPA cadres possessed a background as Nazi collaborators, none of this is surprising. Last June, Kvitz Ministry of Education issued a directive to teachers regarding the, quote, necessity to accentuate the patriotism and morality of the activists of the liberation movement, unquote, including depicting the UPA as, quote, a symbol of patriotism and sacrificial spirit in the struggle for an independent Ukraine, unquote, and Stefan Bondera as, unquote, outstanding representative of the Ukrainian people, unquote. More, more recently, the Atrovich's Ukrainian Institute of National Memory proposed that the city of Kiev remain two streets after Bondera and the former supreme commander of both the UPA and the Nazi-supervised Schutzmannschaft, Roman Shukhevich. Uh, note again that uh, this was the Ministry of Education, formerly the Atrovich himself, held that post in Ukraine. One more time, because again, the uh, uh, little discussion there is, and there isn't much of it, talks about uh, Pravi Sector or the Azov Battalion, which is uh, 
at a, a unit level is an element of the Ukrainian National Guard, but the entire Azov manifestation, as I called it, is much, much broader than that. And their ISV conferences have uh, seen, have been the vehicle for networking between defense attaches and military officials of like political orientation from various neighboring countries. And again, this is from the Ministry of Education. Last June, Crete's Ministry of Education issued a directive to teachers regarding the, quote, necessity to accentuate the patriotism and morality of the activists of the liberation movement, unquote, including depicting the UPA as a, quote, symbol of patriotism and sacrificial spirit in the struggle for an independent Ukraine, unquote. And Bondera as an, quote, outstanding representative, unquote, of the Ukrainian people, unquote. More recently, the Atrovich's Ukrainian Institute of National Memory proposed that the city of Kiev rename two streets after Bondera and the former supreme commander of both the UPA and the Nazi-supervised Schutznamschaft, Roman Shukhevich. Those were the, uh, basically the civilian police of the UPA who worked for the Nazis. Uh, they were deeply involved, by the way, in the famous Babi Yar mass murder in Ukraine. Uh, in posts and programs in the past, we have noted that Petro Poroshenko, uh, laid a wreath in commemory, uh, in commemoration, I should say, of the OUNB at the Babi Yar regime, which is, you know, just surreal. And again, as I have suggested, I think in many ways the war itself and the appendant coverage has served to basically make the Institute of National Memory the political awareness of the West, of the U.S., of the Biden administration, of the West in general. And through that, again, through the war itself and the attendant coverage, it is something like a prism or uh, an, a philosopher's stone from alchemy that is affecting a transformation of uh, the West, the U.S., and uh, the Biden, under the Biden administration along the lines of the enslavement, the gargantuan Nazi plot to enslave America using anti-communism that Glenn Pinchback wrote about. Part and parcel to the complete flipping of the historical record and uh, memory is uh, a festival that was held in the city of Lvov in western Ukraine that commemorated uh, Yuri, uh, rather uh, Roman Shukhevich. He was the commander of the UPA. He was the commander of the Einsatzgruppe Nachtigall that liquidated the Jewish population of Lvov in, on June 30th of 1941. The SS political officer assigned to that, by the way, was Theodor Oberlander, who then became the West German uh, Minister of Expelle, the Bundesamt for Vertriebene, and he was also a key element of uh, the International Committee for the v- Defense of Christian Culture, founded by Charles Willoughby, MacArthur's intelligence chief, and an element that also figures in the investigation into the assassination of JFK, as we looked at in, among other programs, AFA program number uh, 15 from March of 1986. From the Jewish Telegraphic Agency of June 28th of 2017, Ukraine City to hold festival in honor of Nazi collaborator 
whose troops killed Jews. The Ukrainian city of Lvov will hold a festival celebrating a Nazi collaborator on the anniversary of a major pogrom against the city's Jews. Shukhevich Fest, an event named for Roman Shukhevich featuring music and theater shows, will be held Friday. Edward Bulensky, B-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y, the director of the Ukrainian Jewish Committee, in a statement called the event, quote, disgraceful, unquote. On June 30th of 1941, Ukrainian troops, including militiamen loyal to Shukhevich's, began a series of pogroms against Jews, which they perpetrated under the auspices of the German army, according to Yale University history professor Timothy Snyder and other scholars. They murdered approximately 6,000 Jews in those pogroms. The day of the festival is the 110th birthday of Shukhevich, a leader of the OUNB nationalist group and later of the UPA insurgency militia, which collaborated with the Nazis against the Soviet Union before it turned against the Nazis. Shukhevich Fest is part of a series of gestures honoring nationalists in Ukraine following the 2014 revolution in which nationalists played a leading role. They brought down the government of President Viktor Yanukovych, whose critics said he was a corrupt Russian stooge. On June 13th, a Kiev administrative court partially upheld the motion by parties opposed to the veneration of Shukhevich in the city and suspended the renaming of the street after Shukhevich. The council approved the renaming earlier this month. In a related debate, the director of Ukraine's Institute of National Remembrance, Vladimir Biatrovich, who recently described Shukhevich as, quote, an eminent personality, unquote, last month de- defended the displaying in public of the symbol of the Galician SS division responsible for countless murders of Jews, most Ger- Nazi Germany's most elite unit was comprised of Ukrainian volunteers. This last sentence again. Responsible for countless murders of Jews, Nazi Germany's most elite unit was comprised of Ukrainian volunteers. That is the aforementioned uh, Waffen-SS Galician Division, the 14th Waffen-SS Division. Uh, go to the description on the For the Record, uh, on the written description for For the Record Program 1228 in the For the Record category, and you'll see a large full-color picture of the celebration in the love of the 75th anniversary of the founding of the 14th Waffen-SS Division. Concluding this article, displaying Nazi symbols is illegal in Ukraine, but the Galician SS's division symbol is, quote, in accordance with the current legislation of Ukraine, unquote, the appropriate said. Again, just look at that picture, and that will uh, tell you about all you need to know. Uh, It is remarkable to see what is going on. One would never know to read the public record that uh, the stated war aim of Putin, I think there's a very strong chance it will not be achieved. In fact, as I said, and I'll go into this in a minute, I think uh, the war is basically uh, very similar to a European 
iteration of the Afghanistan gambit. I think uh, the Russians were baited into a war, and uh, very possibly uh, by a, an incipient or an impending, I should say, uh, invasion by Ukrainian government forces of the breakaway provinces of Lukansk and Donetsk. Although we heard all about Russian forces uh, massing at Ukraine's borders, there was a huge buildup of Ukrainian military forces on the borders of Lukansk and Donetsk, and a, a huge increase in fighting. Uh, there were reports in the Russian media of provocations that were detected and uh, broken up attacks by Ukrainians inside of Russia proper. I suspect that, as I indicated, uh, the intent was to lure Russia into invading Ukraine. Uh, I think from what we have seen so far, and again, I think the war news is very hard to really intelligently parse it, so propagandized. You've got the, the Ukrainian government, for example, was touting the ghost of Kiev, an, an alleged Ukrainian fighter pilot who became an ace in one day by downing five Soviet aircraft. His very existence is in question. And among the proof that was cited or the evidence demonstrated by the Ukrainian government was a, a, an excerpt from a video game. <laughs> Reminds me of our discussions of the complex by Nick this does not appear to me to be a particularly well-planned military campaign. I suspect it was put together relatively quickly, and uh, we will see what happens. I don't know about the large military convoy that is stalled uh, north of Kiev. Uh, it is apparently stalled uh, through logistics, uh, complications, food and fuel. Uh, we will see what happens, but certainly the longer it remains stalled, the more vulnerable it will be to attacks on its flanks. And armored elements, motorized elements in a city like Kiev are basically, if not saving ducks, are extremely vulnerable. Uh, dense urban warfare is extremely perilous for armored units, and uh, even relatively crude elements like uh, crude weaponry like Molotov cocktails can do a lot of damage, and things like javelin anti-tank missiles and other things can uh, basically wreak havoc on uh, Russian armor. Whether they intend to lead siege to Kiev, I don't know, but we will see. Uh, Going back again to uh, how many lies before you belong to the lie, the lies that are now being almost alchemically uh, embodied in the American public and the West under Joe Biden and basically representing a cementing of the neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope to use anti-communism and now anti-Russianism or anti-Putinism to enslave America. I believe that enslavement is now complete. And in future programs, we are going to talk uh, about the historical record, how that uh, basically took place. Uh, I think that one needs to take stock of the extent to which uh, the current stance in this country is, again, uh, the product of a long series of, frankly, readily verifiable lies, uh, many of them, in essence, provocations. Uh, we have been treated to a long period uh, of uh, demonization of Vladimir Putin, much of which is simply based on nonsense. Uh, 
some of that uh, in, uh, basically involves the alleged Russian uh, in basically interference in the U.S. campaign, which is nonsense. Uh, exemplary of that was the allegation that Facebook posts from Russia helped to sway the election in Donald Trump's favor. Uh, first of all, uh, based here, by the way, in the Silicon Valley, uh, the attribution of Internet activity uh, can be very problematic, and skilled hackers, Ukraine, by the way, is a major epicenter of cybercrime. There are hacking elements in Ukraine proper who are among the best. But the attribution of the origin of things on the Internet can be very complex. But even granting that all of the Facebook posts that were alleged to have been generated by Russian intelligence, etc., were in fact generated by Russian intelligence, there were about 80,000 posts on Facebook from Russia. And that is out of some number of trillions a post on Facebook, that was 1.3. I think the, the, the figure 3 million sticks in my mind, but 80,000 posts out of X number of trillions of posts works out to X number of thousandths of 1% of the posts on Facebook. And there is no way in bleeping hell that that influenced the American election. The high-profile hacks are equally ridiculous. There was the hack of uh, the Democratic National Committee, which actually may very well have been the downloading of key information onto a flash drive. More about that in a minute. But the official version uh, of that was that it was a hack, and the alleged hacker it has been publicly identified only as someone named Profexor, and he is from Drumroll Fanfare, Ukraine, and he has been under the supervision of a guy named Anton Garashenko, a right-wing OUNB-affiliated, uh, part of the OUNB successor organization's affiliates uh, in Ukraine, and by the way, he holds a cabinet post under uh, President Zelensky. Uh, Professor, the only thing we know about him from Ukraine, uh, used an outdated PAS shell. Now, when uh, a hack occurs, the malware remains available on the dark web. And, quote, Professor, unquote, in the, quote, hack, unquote, of the Democratic National Committee, you used an outdated PAS shell, and the IP address that he allegedly used was hard-coded into the malware. That would be like a bank robber renting an old Ford Pinto as a getaway car and then passing a note to the fellow saying your money or your life and putting a social security number underneath it. I mean, it's just asinine. No uh, hacker worth his, her, or their salt would do that. Equally ludicrous is the hack of Mr. B. Podesta's account, which took place under uh, using an open Bitly account, which would permit anyone on the face of the earth to follow the hack in real time. It's like going, yoo-hoo, I'm going to conduct a covert operation. I'm going to conduct a hack, which is a crime, by the way. Everybody watch me. Well, here we go. Hack, a hack, a hack. I mean, it's just a joke. But all of that was a masterstroke of uh, stealth compared to the Shadow Brokers hack. Uh, That was the hack of uh, some NSA tools uh, in which uh, the hacker not only used a really corny 
broken Russian accent of English like the old uh, Boris and Natasha cartoons from uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, but they not only included their IP address, but their email address in the same thing. And it's just absolutely ludicrous. James Bamford, an author who's done a lot of research on the NSA, opined that the probable real author of the Shadow Workers hack was a guy named Jacob Applebaum, who works for CIA derivatives like the Open Technology Fund, and was one of the top aides to Julian Assange. And he arranged for WikiLeaks to uh, basically use the Tor network developed by U.S. intelligence and completely transparent to U.S. intelligence for WikiLeaks. Uh, we talked about the high-profile hacks, which are, you know, a joke, frankly, very crude cyber provocations in, among other programs, for the record, 943. Uh, beyond that, the alleged assassination attempts against uh, opponents of Vladimir Putin are equally blue because when one understands the technology and methodology of clandestine assassination, uh, the techniques I'm about to describe are 40 years old, whatever is capable, whatever is uh, current is undoubtedly far more sophisticated than that. But 40 years ago, uh, one could take a chemical smear on the outside of uh, a victim's sport coat or dress. Then two days later, it seeps through the material, actually it seeps through the material and goes into the victim's system, producing an apparent heart attack two days later. An oscillating electromagnetic field can paralyze the vagus nerve, producing a fatal apparent heart attack from a distance of several hundred feet. Uh, cancer is a favorite vehicle of assassination. People die of cancer all the time, and intelligence services long ago perfected means of giving people cancer. Freedom of Information Act documents have confirmed that U.S. intel by the late 40s have perfected uh, techniques like that. As someone uh, I know observed, if Russian intelligence had wanted any of these people dead, they would have been dead of apparently natural causes, and that would have been that. Among the foamy provocations, first of all, Alexei Navalny, uh, the political opponent of Putin inside of Russia, the Skirpals, uh, Russian uh, expatriate ex-spies, uh, the aforementioned Viktor Yushchenko also was a victim of uh, supposed dioxin attack. Again, bear in mind that his wife was a copyright of Chumachenko. Uh, the use of uh, a minor figure within one's movement as a sacrificial lamb is something that has uh, been institutionalized in various CIA documents, including the CIA Contra training manual back from the Iran-Contra period. Uh, the Casting of Vladimir Putin as a demon with the uh, alleged interference in uh, U.S. elections, which is drivel, and the uh, alleged murders of his political opponents is drivel, is one of the series of lies that people have allowed themselves to believe, and now they belong to the lie. And I think with the war and its attendant coverage, as I have said many times, I think an alchemical transformation of the U.S., the West, the people in it, uh, 
through the law and its attendant covers and in accordance with the objectives of the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory under the Lovimir Vyotrovich has been affected. I think this country now belongs to the lie and the enslavement of America, the neo-Nazi plot to enslave America using anti-communism, now anti-Russianism or anti-Putinism, is complete. And again, it described the Nazi plot gargantuan in scope. And we are, in fact, witnessing just such a plot. Uh, something that uh, I use to comfort myself uh, in this these difficult times is a poem that uh, is called Be Angry at the Sun by Robinson Jeffers. And I'm going to close with this in uh, just a minute. What we're going to do, though, uh, in succeeding programs is we are going to tackle the implementation of the neo-Nazi plot gargantuan in scope to enslave America. We're going to go back to the pre-World War II and World War II history of uh, the OUNB and the UPA and the Ukrainian Nazi fifth column in the U.S. We're going to talk about the events that were going on during World War II, uh, the negotiations by Alan Bullis and the OSS with the Third Reich, uh, the plans that were underway even before the cessation of hostilities to uh, incorporate the SS cadres that worked for German intelligence into the fledgling CIA that took place. We will review some of the material about the werewolf groups uh, and the UPA participation in SAME, the continuation of UPA partisan warfare uh, with their German SS officers, however, up until the 1950s and under initially, of course, through Reich sponsorship, but then under CIA slash OPC sponsorship. We will talk about the formation of the Republican Ethnic Heritage Outfit under the Crusade for Freedom. Uh, that was uh, basically the project of Alan Bullis. He utilized his protege, Richard Nixon. The key spokesperson for that was Ronald Reagan, the person who affected the State Department machinations to bring these Eastern European Nazis, OUNB people, uh, Iron Guard, uh, Romanian uh, uh, Iron Guard people, uh, Croatian Ustasi, Bulgarian National Front people, and uh, Hungarian Arrow Cross people into the U.S., where they became a key part of the Republican Party at the same time as they were also working for, at one level, CIA and also the Galen Organization as well. We're going to talk about the Galen Organization's continued operations in connection with these elements inside the U.S. in the 1960s. And we'll talk about the Reagan administration. Uh, William Casey was the OSS officer who was in Germany in late 44 and 45 and helped to affect the transfer of the Nazi SS coverage and the UPA werewolf guerrillas to U.S. sponsorship. Uh, the person who affected the, the permanent 
institution of the Republican Ethnic Heritage Outreach Council into a permanent branch of the Republican Party under Laszlo Pastor of the uh, Arrow Cross. Pastor, by the way, was the uh, liaison between Adolf Hitler and the Hungarian Arrow Cross. He then became the head of the Republican Ethnic Outreach Council, the guy who made that a permanent branch of the Republican Party had previously coalesced only in presidential election years. It was viewed as being able to deliver the swing vote in five, in, in, in uh, a number of key swing states in uh, the presidential election years. That guy was George H. W. Bush. The central work on that, in addition to Russ Pallant in his uh, remarkable book, uh, The Nazis, the New Right, and the Republican Party, uh, was John Loftus, uh, who worked for the Office of Special Investigations. And he quit when Reagan was elected because it was Ronald Reagan. His CIA director and campaign manager had been William Casey. His vice president was George H.W. Bush. Those were the people he was studying. Now, Be Angry at the Sun by Robinson Jeffers. The public men publish falsehoods is nothing new, but America must accept like the historical republics, corruption, and empire has been known for years. Be angry at the sun for setting if these things anger you. Watch the wheel slope and turn. They are all bound on the wheel. These people, those warriors, this republic, Europe, Asia, observe them gesticulating, observe them going down. The gang serves lies, the passionate man plays his part, the cold passion for truth hunts in no pack. You are not Capellus, you know, to lampoon these crude sketches of Caesar. You are far from Dante's feet, but even farther from his dirty political hatreds. Let boys want pleasure, and men struggle for power, and women, perhaps, for fame, and the servile to serve a lever, and the dupes to be duped. Yours is not theirs. Indeed, and uh, we are witnessing that. The gang serves lies. How many lies before you belong to the lie? And now the Institute of National Memory is everybody's point of view. You would never know, to look at the coverage of this, that uh, Putin's stated war goal was denazification. That has been completely eclipsed and basically erased. One sees almost no mention of that. The gang does indeed serve lies. Serve lies. And uh, so let the servile serve a weaver and the dupes be duped. Yours is not theirs, and mine is not theirs either. So again, we are going to go back in uh, to our archives, and we're going to cover the evolution of this Nazi plot, gargantuan in scope, to enslave America using anti-communism, or now anti-Russianism, or anti-Putinism. We're going to uh, be talking about some things that uh, we've already spoken of in this series, but placing them in context, and we will be reviewing things from the archives as we basically have the, uh, the Institute of uh, Anti-Fascist Memory, or the Institute of Spitfire List Memory. 
This concludes For the Record Program number 1131, How Many Lies Before You Belong to the Lie, Part 4. This is being recorded on March 4th of the year 2022. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun. <laughs>